Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from New York Magazine and the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher, and my voice is slowly returning. And today, my show on Cinemax drops. Oh, no, so it's excited. Not Cinemax. Oh, wait, it's, no. You have to stop. Come you on. have to stop. Come you on. need to support your friends. First of all, you're calling it Cinemax, and you really want to say Skinemax. No. And then your Sprockets thing, when you were trying to sell it, have, that's not nice. By the way, have you seen the promos for CNN Plus? Yes, you all look ridiculous in the clothes. It's like you all the like, anchors which? got trapped in their nephew's closet and said, yes. we're going for an aging skateboarder look, or we want you to get dressed yeah. at the Brooklyn department at JCPenney's. What, what do they have us wearing exactly? Anyways, I'm very excited. Still chance for me to be canceled before it drops. Uh, let me just say, going through it, you looked like you always look. You Sprockets. had the clothes you, you, you know, you have the clothes you wear. You, yeah, you look normal. I look like me. Chris Wallace was like, I'm wearing my fucking suit and that's the way it's going to go. Like, right. so Anderson fuck you, looked dreamy. Kids. He looked really good. Anderson, Anderson. looked dreamy. Yeah. I thought Don Lemon looked okay in casual clothes. Wolf Blitzer, put back on your suit. That's all <laughs> I have to say. And then the, then the, the others just need, they just don't dress like that. Maybe they do. I don't no, know. No, they just, don't. They don't. They don't. Yeah. It was like, I was like, too much cash. But it's dropping, Kara. Is it? Dropping Cena. in a good way? In a no, bad no, CNN Plus dropping today, original programming. Today. And we're going to see if news and politics, if people pull out their credit card for it. It's a big yeah, deal. My they, brother asked if he should spend $3 on watching you. <laughs> <laughs> You, by the way, I invited you to the launch party as my plus one, and you you turned me down. I thought that would have been good. I turned you down. I'm going to be, when is it, tonight? Yeah, it's tonight. I'm in San Francisco, Scott. Send the plane. You know, Scramble if, the jets. If you were invested in this relationship, you would have made the effort. I'm that would have been fun, this. you and me at the CNN plus Yeah, we would have. That would have been fun. We could have made out and really fucked with There you lots. go. I'm really excited. I never, but I'm serious. I'm excited about my show, Kara. I want you to watch could, it and tell everyone how much you enjoyed I it. Shall. I shall. I'm like going it. to subscribe to it today. Good. Um, I shall watch it. And I Can will you give pull you a Melania Trump and create 10,000 fake wallets and subscribe several thousand no. times? No. That's no. what I need. But here's the deal. I'm going to no. give you the honest opinion when I think of it. I hope you don't mind. Uh, that's fine as long as you like it. If if you don't, keep it to yourself. <laughs> I'm very fragile right now. I'm very Are fragile. You? I thought I was on Cinemax. I'm on CNN Plus with Wolf Blitzer. That is a yeah. huge letdown. I can't. You know what? The world yes. is not enough for Scott Galloway. Remember that Bond movie? You know movie. it. You know Speaking it. Speaking of Bond movies, I did, I'm glad that Billie Eilish and her brother won the Academy Award for song, but I was going for the um, Encantos song that did not win, which is beautiful, but it did win Best uh, Animation Feature, which was great. Tell us, let's, let's talk about Will Smith and Chris Rock. This was appalling. Jada, I love you. G.I. Jane 2, can't wait to see it. All right? <laughs> Oh, Richard. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Will Smith just smacked the shit out of me. Keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth. Wow, dude. Yes. It was a G.I. Jane jump. Keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth. I'm going to, okay? Well... You know, people were laughing until they weren't. Obviously, everyone got silent. Uh, you know, I was thinking about it. I had a really visceral reaction to this. And I was thinking, I think it's important you did. that we stop when we have really emotional reactions to things. Because I think it puts us in touch with our emotions and what's important to us, what we care about, what offends mm -hmm. us. Um, and the last image I saw that I had such an emotional reaction to was that reaction of the woman being taken out of that maternity ward and in Ukraine, yeah. and I thought, why was I so upset by this? Um, I think this is 
totally unacceptable and outrageous. And I think it kind of marks the age where uh, we have a man normalizing violence and then getting an award and then parting afterwards at the Vanity Fair Awards. I think there is absolutely no yeah. excuse for this. If I was offended by every joke about hair, I'd be in a supermax prison. This type of joking yeah. isn't even, if everyone's saying, well, it was an inappropriate joke. We joke with each other as a means of affection. When Ricky Gervais yeah. calls Martin Scorsese too short to be on Disney rides, it, maybe it crosses the line, maybe it doesn't. But what happens at open mic at the comedy yeah. store? You know, Kathy Griffin tweeted about it. I thought very intelligent about this. It's a very bad practice to walk up on a stage and physically assault a comedian. Now we all have to worry about who wants to be the next Will Smith in comedy clubs and theaters. Uh, I think she's 100% right. Yeah, absolutely. It was crazy. It was crazy that they were laughing about it and applauding him. You know, everyone's saying, well, what if a white man hit a black man or a black man hit a white man? I think the more interesting comparison we can draw is what if someone not famous had rushed the stage and hit Chris Rock? That person... Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I thought at first I was so angry. I said he should be arrested. And I thought, well, this is a private event. Two people who know each other. The law probably shouldn't get involved, and he hasn't filed charges. Yeah. But you know who really fucked up here? And I've advised them. The academy. The academy cannot have. He should have been escorted from the theater. And yeah. you know who, in my view, is the real man here? Uh, Chris Rock. What if Chris yeah, Rock had jumped back well. into the audience and started a melee? So yeah. this is, and by the way, and all this bullshit coming out this morning that don't insult women, men protecting women, you know what increases violence against oh. women? Violence. Yeah. When we normalize yeah. violence, you know, and yeah. it's like, well, you know, this, uh, there was a great- um, Several people tweeted that sentence. There was a great E. Jean Carroll, who's the Elle Magazine advice columnist, yeah, e. author, who was assaulted by Trump said- you know, open quote, love will make you do crazy things, close quote. And she wrote, every woman who's ever been hit has heard that one. So this yeah. is this is a terrible reflection on our society. It is, yeah. it is uh, normalizing violence. Uh, the Academy needs yeah. to step in here. I, I think Chris yeah. Rock deserves tremendous kudos for de-escalating the situation. That's what a real man does. And I am just incredibly yeah. shocked. And I think, unfortunately, it marks the age in a negative way. And I think the people who decided to party with someone who had just assaulted someone else and yeah. give them a standing ovation, it just makes, yeah. I, I, you know, I was really rattled by it. How did you feel about it when you saw it? I was rattled I by thought it. it made, I think it makes Hollywood look ridiculous. I, I think the Academy should have removed him from the auditorium. Even if they probably knew he won, right? They probably had it already. And so what could they do? But uh, I don't believe he won. Honestly, he didn't deserve it compared to Bet Benedict Cumber. I saw that movie. It was good. Um, but, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch probably deserved Many people in that group probably deserved it over him and that performance. But um, nonetheless, they should have removed. And again, I like that movie quite a bit. I like the Williams sisters. Um, they should have removed him from the from the auditorium and not given, not given him the Oscar. You know, and there was a lot of like, uh, only in this case, I think it's ridiculous. Only white people are complaining. Like, no, nobody likes this. Is violence? I got a lot violence of that. White people should keep them to themselves. This no, is the issue. No, violence is this. No, we're, no, sorry. Whatever. I, I've never bought this notion. Words aren't violence. Violence is violence. That's correct. And, that is correct. And this was this was battery. 
It yeah. makes it makes so many different cohorts look awful. And it, we got to ask ourselves, do we want to be that nation? Do we want to yes, be the 100%. nation that when our leaders assemble, as they do in some nations, they on a regular basis break yeah. out into a fistfight? Do we want to be the nation where we can't have gatherings without right. without this type without this type of violence? Do we want to be a nation? And I, I, the thing that just upsets me is this is part of a trend now. We have yeah. we have people saying, "Oh no, it was a it was a a there's no excuse. It was a justified Zero. protest to the." To describe uh, a capital officer being bludgeoned with a with a fire right. extinguisher it's, or a protester shot in the gut by a security yeah. guard, we can't we ha we can't normalize violence. And by the way, these are the people who decried those people. So if you don't decry this, total hypocrites, total hypocrites. Well, well I thought of you last night because I thought, quite frankly, when I saw the Twitter, I'm like, where's cancel culture when you need it? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I yeah. just, I think Will Smith deserves to be canceled here. I, I think this was, right. well, and people say, well, he's got a lot going on. Well, that's not an excuse. Yeah, it's not. It was ridiculous. It was such. And then they they, they went the, to the protecting. I, part of me thing thinks they and, should take the Academy Award away from him. That's what they should do. I, I, I really, uh, I found this really rattling, and what it says about our society, and th this is where I end up. It's like, okay, action star, arguably the most successful action star of the last decade. Yeah. Uh, com commits commits battery, and is given yeah. award. Yeah. That's where we are. Well, I don't know if that you know it was just a weird confluence of events. It would have you know, but anyway, well, people partying with the guy. He got a standing one. ovation from all these people who it. claim I to decry violence in all forms. I agree. I, I think I it's probably just, reason it's so... to not have these fucking award shows anymore. I, I, I found the whole yeah. thing gross, distasteful, and a distasteful. terrible mark on the age. But I was thrilled that um, sounds so old. Um, Ariana DeBose <laughs> won. All right, I'm going to say an Encanto one. I liked so, Liza Minnelli. In any case, I thought she was Liza Minnelli was and Lady Gaga as usual. You know, women should run freaking oh, everything. Go. Like here honestly. we go. So, it's true. <laughs> Lady Gaga was a class act. Liza Minnelli. I thought the ladies were fine, the three hosts. Mm. I, 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 Amy Schumer really wanted to say something bad, and she went pretty close to saying there's a different vibe in the room. She should have turned to him and said, you piece of shit. I'm like, telling you, get this is going to age here. really, really poorly for Will Smith. And yeah. I'm telling you, yeah. think about what happened to Chris yeah. Rock. He was, he yeah. was assaulted. He tried to de-escalate. He took it, and he tried to move on. He's not filing charges. His attitude is the police shouldn't be involved here. I bet Chris Rock suffers more. I think Chris Rock deserves tremendous. That's what men do. They de-escalate. Yes. I'll remind you that next time you yell at me. Anyway, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. we'll talk about oh, it's, your it is, I'll, I'll get, I will agree with you that this is an abusive relationship. We agree on that. <laughs> I never pretend what I am. Like Anyway, we'll talk about Europe's game-changing. We're going to have other things to talk about. Game-changing tech legislation. Also, Apple may be going the subscription route, and so Scott gets to take a, a, a lap. We'll speak about part of the team behind Super Pump, the Showtime series about Travis Kalanick of Uber. But first, in non-Will Smith Oscar news, Coda, just very quickly, became the first streaming platform to win Best Picture. Wow. I have not seen it yet, but I really want to. My brother loved it, for example. Apple reportedly spent around $25 million on awards marketing for Coda. It beat out two Netflix nominees, and they got a Best Picture um, 
uh, award in very short time for Apple TV Plus. $25 million isn't even that unusual, according to Matt Bellany. He thinks Amazon and Netflix spent more. Netflix must be mad. Apple's only been in movies and TV for less than three years. Netflix been making original content for more than a decade. Jane Campion won, uh, obviously, Best Director for Power of the Dog. Uh, it's, it's unclear whether it will bring in subscribers, but they've got Ted Lasso. Um, Netflix's most famous work is TV shows, Stranger Things, Bridgerton, Squid Game. Um, so it's just, it, it's the power of the stream, these, these tech platforms and their money to be able to do this. But I think most people had a good feeling about Coda and Power of the Dog. So probably deserve it where they were in the awards uh, thing. So any thoughts on that briefly? There's a lot here. These are both, I'm sure these are both great films. No one's seen them mm-hmm. and a few people will see them. I, I actually think that part of the problem is that regardless of the quality of the filmmaking and the purists will come after me for this, if popular movies, one idea for the Academy Awards would be to show clips of popular movies coming out. Because the bottom line is, I can't wait to see Coda, but I'm at that age where I like well-done independent films. But this was had nothing yeah. to do with film production on the part of Apple TV+. Plus. Apple TV+, Plus founded at, the, at Sundance and paid $25 million bucks for it because Apple wants to develop, cement their yeah. brand as being iOS, and that is higher quality, higher prestige. And good feel-good. He also said, I mean— Well, it sounds Tim like Cook a wonderful film. Stuff. I mean, yeah. it's about—my understanding he, they is— They were talking about their leaning into feel-good. So. Yeah, so, but— uh, the Academy Awards, I wonder, like last night, everybody said, oh, you know, this will get viewership back. I'm like, I actually think the Academy Awards, unless they reconfigure their business model, has jumped a shark. Yeah. But this was a yeah. savvy move by Apple for 25 million bucks to be in the news the next day that Apple TV, best picture, is worth a lot more than 25 million. Yep, agree. Okay, let's get to our first big story. Huge changes to be coming for big tech, thanks to new regulations from Europe. Last week, the European governments reached a deal on the Digital Markets Act, a very important thing, pushed by Margaret Vestager, aimed at so-called gatekeepers in tech. If passed, the act will drastically change how tech companies operate. Giants can no longer favor their own software and services. This will affect Apple, obviously. Messaging apps like WhatsApp and iMessage would have to work with smaller messaging services and interoperate, um, which is a big issue around encryption from what I, I've heard a lot from my encryption friends. Companies would need to obtain, quote, explicit consent to target ads based on personal data. That is a big move. Violators could be charged with 10% of their global annual revenue and repeat offenders would pay even huge higher fines and could have acquisitions blocked by the European Commission. The act is expected to pass this summer. Um, the rules could be in place. Margaret Vestager, uh, who's the competition chief in Europe, said it could be in place as early as October. As with GDPR, Europe is uh, running the show in terms of regulation and and as U.S. Uh, regulators sit on their ass, I would say. Well, we, we've been saying this for a long time, and that is Europe gets most of the downside of big tech. They get the weaponization of their elections, the polarization, the tax avoidance, the destruction of other kind of mid-tier media companies but they don't get any of the great tastes. They don't get the job growth. They don't get the yeah. massive, I mean, big tech on a net gaze basis, and I've always said this, is a positive for America. That doesn't mean we shouldn't look at it. That doesn't mean we shouldn't hold them accountable. It doesn't mean we shouldn't regulate. But the real losers here are Europe, and the really big losers are some of these developing nations where they have absolutely no yeah. seat at the table. So when you register all of the downside, but a fraction of the upside, there aren't that many hospitals or universities with the names of Google billionaires etched along the side of their hospital in Cologne or in Milan. 
So when you have yeah. that dynamic, it stiffens the back. It stiffens the backbones of regulators, and and Europe has been more aggressive. Now, here's the thing, and I don't know if you've really looked at it, but I actually believe GDPR has not done nothing but cement their um, dominance. Yeah, and many people think and that. And so much, so much of this is thing. in the details. And these companies are very savvy. They will hire the best law firms and lobbyists in the world in Europe. Europe is not immune to that. They will. It'll all be in the details. And well, although I think Europe has learned about so. that, about how they, I mean, a couple of them, and I do think they've got to look very careful on these interoperability mm-hmm. of these messaging apps. It, it, there's some legitimate uh, 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 problems around encryption, but some of them are pretty clear. I think they're, they've, they've sort of decided the bigs versus the smalls. Mm-hmm. They've got, they've been a little more sophisticated in this act. The law would hit Meta, Google, Amazon, Apple. It might hit Alibaba and Booking. Uh, smaller players like Snapchat, Pinterest, and eBay, mm-hmm. not so much um, if they don't cross a threshold. I think they've gotten a lot more savvy. Um, also, um, you know, I think that it, it depends on what American regulators do uh, in terms of, of dealing with this because they haven't done anything. They might have been nicer to tech companies, by the way. So tech companies lobbying them to slow down in some fashion, although they say they want regulation, could have been an issue. Um, but it's certainly not been in the hands of the country where these these businesses are located. I, I just don't understand. I, I would have hoped coming out of COVID, and this is my dream, that on certain things we would decide to join forces and maybe have the, the equivalent of their F, the Margaret, Marguerite Vestier yeah. and Lena Khan. She's talked about We'd get that. together and say, all right, rather than having something awkward yeah. that is expensive for the companies to comply with, doesn't make any sense, creates additional friction and regulation. Why right. wouldn't we coordinate around this? And you can understand our concerns, yeah. we can understand yours, and we can do something similar to what Biden did. Yeah. And Biden does not get enough credit. Their messaging has been so shitty. Biden doesn't get enough credit for yeah. a, uni- a cross-border, a cross-border tax program that stops this race to the b- yeah. bottom and all these inversion mergers. Yeah, we should be working We together, should be, Mar- Marguerite and Lena should be hand in hand trying to say, okay, yeah. They have met, but you're right, 100%. One of the interesting things, there's two things um, that I thought she was, she talked about this at Code, but there's very little argument about content and free speech. She stayed away from that. She understands what a third mm-hmm. rail that is. It's about privacy. It's about power. It's yeah. about things, competition. You know, we are so focused because the right wing is so insane over this issue. And so it was the left to some extent, but not as much as the right on Section 230. And then we get sucked up into the First Amendment stuff. And it's really just about privacy, power. Um, just so you know, a gatekeeper is defined by tech companies with market capitalizations of at least 75 billion euros, hmm. which is 83 billion, or annual revenues within the EU of at least 7.5 billion euros in the past three years. And they must also have at least 45 million monthly users and 10,000 business users in the EU. So they've been very canny in terms of what they're focused in on. They're not getting it. Now, they don't have the First Amendment in Europe. They don't. And so they have a little bit more leeway, but um, I'm glad we have it here. But they don't. Get, they haven't gotten sucked up into the political stuff that sort of beaches a lot of stuff that happens in this country. Yeah, I don't. I, I'm, I'm hopeful, but skeptical. And that is, yeah. I think we've been outgunned. I think Marguerite Vestier, she's a hero of mine. She strikes me as a great regulator. She acknowledges the importance of capitalism. She doesn't, I don't think she thinks of big tech as the enemy, yeah. but she, she's been one of the few people that's been able to um, establish consensus across border 
And uh, Europeans, like I said, they've, they've led the way on this because we have been totally overrun. We have this idolatry of innovators. Yeah. We know, all, you know, everybody kind of knows somebody who worked at Google and got rich or bought Google stock. And I don't think the same is true in Europe. I think they say, okay. I also all think, of our, I, I just think the partisanship is what the problem is over First mm-hmm. Amendment stuff. And it's been devolved into free speech and has nothing to do with free, free speech. Free speech. I did you hear? I heard. Levels. I heard the Martian talking about that last week, and I'm like, free speech? What are you talking What Who? does Twitter not allow you to say that you want to say? I just don't understand any of this nonsense about- Who, the Martian? What Martian? Uh, the guy who has that car company, I forget his name. He's not in oh, the news him. a lot. Oh, yeah. He's very humble. It, it works for his base. Nice guy. It works for his base. It works for his base. Yeah, but he's, now he's threatening to start another social network. And I'm like, what does Go what for does it. Twitter not yeah. allow you to do that you want to do? I don't – you can call innocent people pedophiles. You, know, you can create, you know, securities violations. What exactly are you hoping another social network is going to let you do? Well, you know, I've heard a lot of noise. A lot of tech guys want to fund cancel culture people who like to push the cancel culture They're all everywhere. Quite Who's a lot. been silenced? What, I, I know. Uh, thank you, Scott. That was my whole point. Yeah, but there's a difference anyway, between their career uh, being over and them being so. Anyways, I, I, let's not even let's yes. agree to disagree here. Yes. By the way, have you seen Truth yes. Social? That's making a lot of progress. Uh, we, said. we were correct on that one. All right, Scott, let's go. That wasn't hard. That wasn't was a, a tough one. We'll go on a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk about Apple's new subscription plan. And we'll talk with friends of Pivot, the executive producers of Super Pumped. All right, Scott, we're back. Apple is planning a new test of a customer loyalty program, a subscription service for iPhones and other hardware. Finally, users would receive Apple's newest devices for a yet-to-be-determined fee, though it's said to be higher than the cost of the device. Uh, The program is still in development, isn't expected to roll out for the end of the year, if at all. Now, some people have the the program I do, where you you get a new iPhone every year, so Let's like let's talk. You called this one, Scott. Here's a clip from our show last June. Look, the whole world is digressing to two business constructs, and it's either mm-hmm. iOS, where you pay a premium uh, and you get more privacy, a more elegant solution, kind of the premium, or it's going to Android, where you get essentially the product for free, and they figure out a way to monetize you as a user. I think we're going to see increased market share across the iOS subscription part of the world. Subscription, whether it's the move to Netflix, whether it's the move to LinkedIn, more and more people like the idea of saying, I don't want my data molested. I want more privacy. I want a business model that focuses on the relationship with me. Okay. I I don't want my data molested either, Scott. But um, talk a little bit about this uh, because it's really interesting. We do have a relationship with Apple with lots of subscriptions. I have about six. I feel like I have a bunch. So talk about how you look at this. Um, uh, Most people replace their phone every three years. I actually get a new one every year pretty much um, because I like the newest version of it because I write about tech. But talk about what, what more this is than what they do now. Well, so we predicted in our 2021 predictions that Apple would hit 200 bucks a share on a move to subscription. And yeah. we were mostly right. We were just a little bit early. But uh, the biggest mistake we make in marketing, and I said this over and over, is that mm-hmm. we believe that choice is a good thing. It's not. 
Consumers don't want more choice. They want to be more confident in the choices presented. And Apple's brand is so strong that it creates a ton of confidence mm -hmm. that you're, the product you're going to get is going to be elegant, that it connects with other like-minded, artisanal, wealthy people that are mm -hmm. great story, storytellers and aspirational, and that it'll work. And so rather than going to the Apple store in the Boca Mall or in Soho and meatpacking, excuse me, in the meatpacking district or so, come to think mm -hmm. of it, send me the latest and greatest. You know I love it. I trust you. Send it preloaded. I want AirPods. I want the iPhone, occasionally an iPad for my kids, Apple TV+, Plus, Arcade, Apple Music, and give me a good price and give me exclusives and invite me to cool events and make yeah. me feel as if I'm part of an aspirational group within an aspirational group. And that is part of what is the most accretive action in business history. And that is a move from transactional to subscription. And the reason why Apple stock has tripled in the last two to three years is not because of their mm -hmm. earnings or their top line revenue growth. It's because they have gone from zero to 24% of revenue based on subscription and recurring revenue. Subscriptions, whether it's music or gaming or whatever, the different things, the insurance that they have on it. Um, you know, it's interesting because one of the things, you know, I always complain to you is that when I walk into an Apple store still, even though I buy all this stuff, mm -hmm. they don't know who I am. Like they 100%. don't treat me better. There, there isn't champagne coming out. Mm -hmm. And I remember being in an Apple store, you know, in San Francisco where I am right now. And, you know, it was full. It's a really fun place to go. Um, but I feel like when I walk in, my phone should tell them it's Kara Swisher who spent 200, whatever, how much hundreds, I've spent so much money at Apple. It, you shouldn't walk into a store, a nice, attractive, high EQ when person. When I do. No, but yeah. my, my point is a nice high EQ person should show up in a nice Apple t-shirt and say, yes. hey, Kara, I'm yes. here to replace, to upgrade this, replace this, and to show you this cool yes. new. This morning, the CNN tech folks were over helping me yeah. figure out how to do a lab connected to my iPhone right. and how to, I, yeah. I should have an Apple person figuring it out. And it might be yeah. 100, 200, 300, 500 bucks a month. I, I'm not exaggerating across my companies and I'm bragging now. I have yeah. spent millions of dollars on Apple products. On Apple products, yeah. And yeah, they I'm should in invite me to the screening of We Crash, and they should say, yes. "We're yeah. going to come to your house and 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 install the new Apple TV on your TV." There are businesses built off of this. There was a business that does this. That come, they came in and put my arrows in. You know what I mm -hmm. mean? They did a better job. Um, but go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I, I believe that business world is ultimately going to digress to 10, 20, 40% of our expenditures are going to be yeah. across a few mega brands that figure out artificial yeah. intelligence and go to zero click ordering, meaning they're going to send you stuff before you ask for it. Yeah. Whatever, the, the, it wouldn't take much research for them to go, okay, this guy's super into Ted Lasso, always wants the newest iPhone, and has a yeah. kid who uses an iPad. So yeah. we're going to do that, send the latest yeah. 90 days before anybody else, and we're going to invite him and his sons to the screening of Ted Lasso. And they yeah. could charge me. And they're also going to see that I'm I'm price I'm not price insensitive, but I'm pretty yes. I'm pretty elastic. much price inelastic, if you will. Yeah. And they're going to say, yeah. okay, instead of him putting off the iPhone purchase, we're going to be able to say to the markets, this guy is spending $5,000 a year with us. And there's 40,000 yeah. other people like him that we're going to sign up in the next 90 days. And the stock is going to go from $3 trillion to $4 trillion. What's interesting, let me finish that story in the app. I get that with the Apple store, but I still, if I want to go, because I happen to like it. I like to yeah, look at nice. things, you know. Yeah. I can't. 
I, I, this kid was sexting on the new iPhone near me. And I was like, I couldn't, and I could not get a person to come up to me. And did and you respond kid, on your phone? No, I did not. That, I, let See, me because just say, he was sexting was like you, you little saucy man. He was not. I know what was but going I was like, on. So, like, I, like, I Are this Apple stores the new gay bars? Be honest. No, no, no? not at all. Okay. I, I know. I never go to bars. But I, I was like, that guy, that kid is sexting, and I want to buy a new iPhone. Why am I waiting? Like, what is the deal? Like, they're, they're in my way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There should be an area. Um, and it wasn't like I spend more money, but I'm a better customer. And they should know me. The other thing is, the I went on to one of the Apple sites, and they have devices I no longer use that are still attached to it. And I'm like, don't you know I don't use them because I've turned them in or whatever? I was sort of mad at them, like that they didn't know me the way they should know me, you know, that I deserve more because I'm a better customer. They could do, I would buy, I would like to go to, you know, I, I don't watch Ted Lasso, but the week crash premiere, you're right. Um, I would like to get special new things early. I would like to, you know, I have to discover Store openings, things a lot. tutorials in their I, I theaters and their little, stores. Little brick that you put on the back of my iPhone, a battery. Mm-hmm. I didn't know until I was in the store. Why mm-hmm. didn't I know about that? Like, why didn't they tell me? Mm-hmm. They, they, for a marketing company that's so good, they're not good at individual marketing. So you I know, this they, is all. This is all a big ad, not only for the power of the subscription model. But right. also, and their PE has grown from 15 to 34 or something, right. but it's a big ad, and I hate to say this because we're conflicted, it's a big ad for Salesforce because the yeah. ability to take all these data points in a B2B manner and create better service, it's all CRM. Yeah. And what's amazing yeah. is when you think about the potential, you want to talk about potential for CRM, Yeah, I'm Disney should be able to know that I am obsessed oh, with the Mandalorian and Boba Fett. Yeah, they should Disney know that I have two sons. Too. They should know that I live in California. Yeah. And guess what? If they'd sent me a special invitation to the opening of that Starship Cruiser Hotel, I would yeah, have paid anything. Spent. Really? And I would have been that first in line. And nothing, though. Absolutely nothing. 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 Same thing. They should know I love Encanto. But, and I don't love it. <laughs> I think everybody knows you love Encanto, Kara. No, no, no. <laughs> but my kid listens to Encanto and Moana on full, like, I, you're right. They do need to pay attention to their cons- individual consumers more. It's very easy now because of digital. Now, one thing that's interesting, another thing, I was, I think of them all the time. I have all these old, I, I, all these old Macs, and I'm like, do I have to take them back to the store? Do yeah. I not? Come to your house, pick them up. We'll them. dispose of them. Pick ec- up my phone. Do not throw them out. I want to yeah. know where Agreed. they went. Agreed. You know, that kind of stuff. I have all kinds of issues. I'm going to call Tim Cook for lunch and start complaining. You call Tim. You call I Tim. I will. But one of the things that's interesting is the buy now, pay later, this idea of mm-hmm. renting. I'd like to rent these things. I'd like to, I'd like to feel like I'm renting them a little bit more. Mm, they're perishable. It would cost you more to rent than to buy them. But I guess. They, they, in they any have, case, the half life on those things they they kind of depreciate thirty percent a year. Within three years, they're basically worth zero. So essentially, Apple, we like this. Other companies, you should do this. Mm-hmm. Disney is one. Amazon mm-hmm. is someone I would have a much deeper relationship with if mm-hmm. if I felt I had more value. I have a pretty good one. Um, I'm trying to think of who else. What if Nike did it? Your gym, travel on yeah, the road, Nike. all your all your shoes, Peloton. all your workout. Well, if Nike owned Peloton, they just said, we're going to take over your fitness life. Peloton. You know, when I did that Peloton, that was so eye-opening how much more consumers wanted from them mm-hmm. than they were giving them. Consumers wanted a bigger, they wanted health stuff. They wanted exercise stuff. They wanted diet stuff. They want some clothing stuff, not buying it, but access to things. 
Um, anyway, it was, it was, I want Whole Foods to molest my privacy. I want Whole Foods to know where I am. And then when they no, say I'm in New York for four days, I want them to have my refrigerator stock when I get there with all the stuff let, I like. Let Why me tell would you what that? he's got in his refrigerator, a weird combination of liquor and very woke food. <laughs> he has the, I have like non-woke food uh, in my house. And Scott, he always talks to me about being woke, but his, <sighs> if you looked at his cabinet versus mine, you'd say, I'm a conservative Midwestern lady. And his is like, you have the most woke food of anyone I've ever seen. A lot seen. of liquor. Daddy loves yeah, the of, sauce. a lot of liquor. A lot Daddy of liquor. Daddy loves the, the sauce. Anyway, Apple, we like it. More of, please. Mm-hmm. All right. Now let's bring in our friends of Pivot. Brian Koppelman, uh, David Levine, and Beth Schachter are the executive producers of Super Pumped, Showtime's series about the rise of Uber, Brian and David are the show's creators as well. We don't usually have this many guests, but we're very excited to have Team Super Pump. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Thanks. Psyched to be here, Kara. So I think we'll we'll start with David uh, for, with Brian, who I know pretty well. Um, Travis Kalanick makes for great television since he was a unique player. Um, or was Uber part of? Were you trying to do a story of a larger problem of Silicon Valley? Well, it started, Karen, it's so great to be here, Scott. Uh, Scott, I don't know if you saw, but Karen and I grew up in the same house we found out. Yeah. Uh, so I, it's a, it, it's wild, hmm. yeah. actually, we got to trade those stories. Um, this started with um, with the book. You know, you're very close with Mike Isaac. Yeah, he worked for me. So you know the kind of storyteller he is. Mm-hmm. And when he sent me the book over Twitter, that's what he did. He, he wrote, and he's like, "We well, look at my manuscript. It, we didn't start... Uh, with a desire to tell this kind of story. It was like, we read Mike's book and then that book seemed to us to ask a lot of questions we wanted to ask about the cost of disruption and the rewards of disruption, right? And and this seemed a great uh, a great arena in which to examine it. That's the, you know, and then these characters were like Shakespearean characters in real life. So those things together made it really exciting to us. Did you think it was a larger problem in Silicon Valley? Or or they were unique as evil people of Silicon Valley, villains, essentially? Like, if you're defining the problem as the win-at-all-costs mentality that Mike depicts in the book mm-hmm. and the justification of uh, all many decisions uh, under the guise of uh, sort of fomenting a, a, a legitimate rebellion, but in fact doing something else maybe. Uh, maybe it's a broader problem. It's it's something that you guys understand mm-hmm. better than we understand. You've studied it for far longer. But the specifics of this were compelling enough that it seemed to us to, even at the beginning, to suggest a broader problem. And then as we did our research and as Mike brought people to us who were experts, yeah, it seemed like it, it very well might be. Uh, but but this but the specific of this unicorn mm-hmm. were enough to fire us up. And let me ask uh, Beth, why do you think these stories of founders and unicorns are in vogue right now? They're super pumped. The dropout, we crashed. You could sort of say inventing Anna is in that genre, but it's not a tech one. Why do you think you know tech was so celebrated, or else it was sort of made fun of on Silicon Valley, the actual TV show on HBO? Why do you think now this is getting it's the funny. treatment? I mean, I think we think of, first we think sort of, of the show as a little bit distinct in the fact that we don't have Theranos in our house and we don't have WeWork anymore. 
and Anna Delvey's in prison. And I think those are more stories of grifters who got caught grifting, whereas Travis is really the story of someone who truly saw something that could be upset and disrupted, disrupted it, and along the way became the kind of malevolent force that he was trying to disrupt. So I'm not sure why it all happens at um, at the same time. I think those are questions that we may need a little bit of more distance to understand, but I do think there's some distinctions there. I mean, I think also the shows that have been are being made with WeWork and with um, the Theranos story are just extraordinary and really about culture in interesting ways. So, and are filled with amazing acting. And, and lastly, David, what did you learn about Silicon Valley doing the show? I mean, not everybody's like Travis, you know that you're aware. <laughs> I mean, very few. Well, we've been told, you know, he, he comes off as such a unique individual in the pages of Mike's book. And we had to sort of double check and make sure this was for real. And we did interview a lot of mm-hmm. people who interacted with him and they, they basically confirmed what Mike said in more blunt terms often. Um, we learned that somebody with a force of personality and will who was able to enlist people in his vision could onboard huge amounts of money and get more powerful than in almost any field very quickly. And that was fascinating to us. Yeah. So I, I just want to start. I, I'm not a huge fan of Uber. I think they use software to circumvent minimum wage laws. But I worry that our, um, we conflate the three. We have a woman who lied to investors, lost a billion dollars of money, is going to prison. We have a guy who exaggerated, was trying to shovel his unicorn shit onto retail investors at a $60 billion valuation. It's now at four. A lot of people could have lost a lot of money. And then there's Uber and kind of distinct of the frat bro complexion, which I, you know, is at a minimum not in vogue and in a, and at a, in a maximum just a, a, a not the way to run a business or create a positive work environment. But it's a $70 billion company. A lot of people made a lot of money. It's provided economic security for a lot of people. It's a great service. The New York, New York City has just announced a strike a deal with them. Isn't it quite quite frankly? Aren't you giving Travis a bad rap? Does he deserve to be grouped in with these other folks? He, <laughs> we only made the one show. <laughs> Very different. Not a grifter. <laughs> yeah, we're not. Not only are we not grouping him in, but in every interview we've ever given, we've said he's, okay. he's not. Let me ask in. the question another way. Beth, you described Travis Kalanick as a malevolent force. Say more. <laughs> um, well, no. Because I think the show describes him as a malevolent force. And I think that the show shows him as a malevolent force. And Got I think it. the show is asking the audience to grapple with the fact. And you said it very well, Scott, just now. We have Uber in our pocket. It is a company that exists and is real. It wasn't a grift. We're asking the audience to say, mm-hmm. okay, now that you know the cost of this disruption, how do you feel about it in your pocket? So hopefully the show says more. I know it's right now because I think... You guys may have only gotten the first five episodes. You don't see the full, the totality of what we're actually trying to say. But truly, we want the audience to say, ask exactly the question you're just asking, which is, is it fair? Brian, you wanted to say something? So, yes, Travis won and the company won. And I agree with you about Mm -hmm. uh, basically a lot of what you said. But let's just examine the safe rides fee, the thing we started with. Mm -hmm. And I think you have to actually just for a moment really take it in. There was an outcry about how unsafe Ubers were. 
documented, mm -hmm. evidentiary, mm -hmm. right? The solution that they propagated was we're adding a fee to every ride, every single ride, a $1 fee that is going to go toward making Uber safer. Yeah. They took that money and put it to the bottom line, spent 200000 out of whatever, $300 million, and mm -hmm. took the rest of it and just put it to their bottom line and never made anyone safer and did nothing with it. Mm -hmm. That alone vitiates the question. That alone, I think, speaks to, if that's all they did at the beginning, it's mm -hmm. enough to say, uh, to not in any way group, group the company in with the other things, but it's enough to raise the question of what price are we willing to pay for the advancement in transportation tech? Yeah, I recall when it was happening, when they were charging so little for... Um, for rides. I think it was like $3 across San Francisco or some small, less than the, than the Muni for sure. Um, and someone's like, this is great. I'm like, do you think this is what it costs? Do you think this is the act? I said, let's figure mm -hmm. out who's paying here. And it's certainly not you. It's either the VCs or it's the drivers, but some, it's coming out of someone's hide. I'm hoping it's the VCs, but I'm guessing it's the drivers at some point. And so, uh, which I kept mentioning and everyone was like, this is great. You're a bummer. And I'm like, this has a cost that we don't even understand. It also gets rid of healthcare, blah, 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 because I'm an irritating person. But what do you, when you talk about that, what do you think people will walk away with? Uh, any one of you can answer this, this idea that, well, it was worth it because we have this great service that is now being run by someone with some level of ethics, um, you know, in terms of, rolling it out and every you know every great fortune starts with a with a crime obviously is the is the old saying so how do you how do you think how do you come away with it when we have this great service it's created all kinds of wealth it's it is a business so i still question whether it's an actual business still which i do to dar all the time because it doesn't seem to be able to make money um even mm -hmm. when they charge higher prices what do you what do you walk away what do you what did you each of you walk away from it was it worth it there's a lot built into that question. A couple of things. One, our show focuses on the first chapter of the emergence right. of the company really in Travis's regime. Right. It is a very mm -hmm. different place now that Dara took over. And there is a chunk of the book mm -hmm. devoted to that. That's mm -hmm. very fascinating, but we only had so much runway to make our show. The other thing, is it worth it? What do we expect an audience to take away? I mean, the general public has limited ability to you know, make a direct change on a big industry or a particular mm -hmm. business other than not right. using it, which happened for a while um, mm -hmm. when Lyft, when Lyft came to the fore. And I would say, you know, the one thing that we found out about that we put in the show is how corrupt and, and insidious the, the taxi and livery business was the way that the medallion systems were mm -hmm. strangling cities mm -hmm. and drivers so there was that moment of hope that it was going to change things for right. the drivers. But then, as so often happens, the new power became just as corrupt. Yes, mm -hmm. indeed. Um, More so in the... I, I'd be curious, uh, across the three of you, what was the biggest surprise? You obviously got to know the company and the story and the characters really well. What was the biggest surprise or what might be, in your view, the biggest kind of misconception we as a public have about the story or the characters? What shocked you about this as you got to know the story better? For me, it was the brazenness with which they just went at it. Um, they would use the software in invasive ways to further their aims, to, to combat regulators. And they acted as if there wasn't going to be 
any price to pay for it, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. And as a company, there was very little price to pay for it. In the end, Travis, um, you know, had to leave at some point. But that was pretty right. shocking to me. What about you, Brian? I, I would say uh, two things. One, that Garrett Camp actually had the idea. Like reading the book, I can, Travis Kalanick is so uh, well known for this. And obviously Garrett's a genius and had, you know, many ideas that were incredibly great ideas yeah. and that he picked an operator and then that he empowered this operator to act as though he were a founder, I think was an amazing sort of move. Mm-hmm. And obviously, and everyone I know who knows Garrett, they love him. Yeah. So I find that fascinating too, that he's a completely different cat in mm-hmm. a way. And we try to show that in, 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 in the show. And then, you know, back to Scott's sort of like the question about the nature of, of Uber. Like if I look at the geofencing they did over Apple, that I, that notion is so outrageous to me that, yeah. that, that if it's re- as Mike reported, again, I don't have any special knowledge, but what Mike reports in the book yeah. is that Travis made a promise to Eddie Q and Tim Cook. And that promise was, I will, this tracking software will not be in the app anymore. We won't track people. We understand you'll kick us out of the app store. And that then the engineer's solution, instead of doing what was committed to their biggest right vendor or client, Apple, the Apple app store relationship with Uber was the most important. Instead, they they use skullduggery and build, text skullduggery and build a geofence so that the software acted the way he promised only within 200 miles of Cupertino. Yeah. And everywhere else, mm-hmm. yeah. it was still invading uh, every one of us as we used it. Hmm. The, as David said, the brazenness of that. And I mean, who would ever think that you could pull that off over well, you know, the most technologically sophisticated company in the world, Apple, and that he did. And then that Tim Cook sat with him and warned him and let him continue, let the company continue. So the mutuality well, they knew of benefit- it wouldn't, They and, wouldn't kick him off. They knew, you know, it, he is the only person I've seen. Tim Cook doesn't react to much. He's very like adult. And only time I've ever seen uh, Tim Cook, I had lunch with him and I asked him about it and I've never seen him roll his eyes and he did a massive eye roll. And then he goes, that guy. And that's all he said. And I was like, whoa, it was like, it was like the biggest insult I've ever seen. I was like, oh my God, are you going to have him killed now or something? Um, so what do you think, Beth? Sort of a broader for me was the women that were involved in Uber um, and the range of reactions to Travis. I think we tend to want and hope that women are a monolith, especially within tech and women are not obviously a monolith. And we know that, but we hope for it. Like as we want, just like, can't we all just link arms and march together against misogyny and to see the breadth of it, of experience and the different kinds of women that were surrounding Travis, including, and especially yeah. Austin Guite, who was a, I'm really fascinated yeah. by. Um, so her story Jeez. just for me was a real surprise and a wonderful surprise. And then, you know, just on a practical level, being able to have Carrie Bechet play her, also a wonderful thing. <laughs> yeah, she was a conflicted yeah. person. I have to tell you, you got Jill and Rachel wrong completely. They just don't oh, behave like that. They just, 
I'm sorry. It's just I was we were laughing and we I got on text with them. They they're the two PR. That's people. why they call it original scripted drama, Kara. I know that, but I was like, this is hysterical with the legs and the oh my god. Um, anyway, uh, let me ask you. Wait, they don't have legs in real they life? They do have legs, but not like, you know what I'm talking about. It's the metaverse. No legs allowed. <laughs> the Ariana character. I loved it. It was fantastic. She did a great job. Um, but Ariana was even more than she portrayed, let me just say. Um, one of the funniest things was Ariana was trying very hard to bridge the gap between Travis's just mendacious fuckiness and uh and what was going on especially during those more difficult times as they as he, they started to remove him from power and she stuck with him for a long time and at the same time wanted to appeal to people who knew that he was a mendacious fuck essentially and so she one time called me up and she goes Kara I'm working with him to become a better person and you know I'm doing all kinds of things but I really don't I haven't seen him at all not at all and I'm really mad at him and someone texted me right at that moment and said, do you know, I'm in an, Ariana's living room and I see she's talking to you and Travis is sitting right here, just so you know, he came over for dinner. And so I, I was like, so I go, oh, really? You're not seeing him at all? And she, she goes, oh, no, Kara. And I go, not like right now on your couch. And she's like, oh, he was hungry. He needed dinner. He was wandering around Soho. And you know, I'll bring anyone into my house. And I was like, okay. Thank you, Ariana, for that great moment in Ariana-ness. And it made it just, I like the portrayal. So there's my- We are definitely talking to you before we do the Facebook thing, because you (laughs) You have the best stories. No, I'm writing my book. You got to buy my book and that you'll see what happens in that Next season. So uh, Mark Cuban plays himself on the show. How come Kara Swisher didn't get a phone call? Are you in the show? No. No, I only hired and facilitated. Uh, someone's jealous. I know because he's in the I don't other. Know if you guys he's heard, in the WeWork WeWork we show. Fascinating. And good story luck we telling work. the Zuckerberg story without a Swisher cameo. I don't know how you're going to do. Come it. do the cameo yeah. in that story. Come on. We we thought that we would be saying you're welcome to the thank you, but but I guess we have to say <laughs> no. we apologize and we'll make sure it happens the next time. You cannot tell the Zuckerberg story without sweaty Swisher. That's what I have to say. <laughs> Um, well, now that's what they're going to call you in the show. I mean, they're going to refer to you that way now in <laughs> no, the Facebook story. I believe they refer to me as a much stronger word, and it starts, oh, I don't know. It could be a lot of them. Um, but speaking of which, hmm. your ne- Super Pump 2 has been announced this season. We'll look at Facebook with a focus on Mark and Cheryl. What can you tell us about that? Because I have to tell you, being up close and personal in that relationship, it's one of the dullest relationships I've ever seen. But go ahead, tell us about it. It's based on Mike's book. On on the Facebook yeah, Mike's got to write the book. We can't give you much info yet, but we will closer to the time. Okay, nothing. Hmm. Can we use that as a pull quote? Uh, Kara it says is- it's the dullest <laughs> relationship. I don't and- know where there's drama at all. I mean, there is a little bit, but no, they're really dull people. No, I that it, what it, it might more be more about the when the two of them the effect they've had on the on the world. Okay. which I don't think is dull. All right, what do you think, yeah, Scott? Agreed. What do you think they should focus in on the Mark and Cheryl? Scott has a has a tougher view of Cheryl than I do. I don't know the the mendacious fuck and his two billion dollar beard like ruining the world. I don't know. That's a pretty good basis for drama. That's the name of it. The mendacious two pull fuck. quotes now. Now we have two pull quotes. 
And then next, the year after will be what? The Netflix drama of which there isn't any. I mean, obviously the pivot story is yes, season three. Brilliant. I think that's clear. Yeah. Karen's Now that's a saucy relationship. <laughs> that is a saucy relationship. <laughs> well, that relationship makes a room sexier by leaving yes, it, Yes, exactly. <laughs> In my opinion, the Facebook drama, what's unfolded there is the elephant and Uber's a pimple. I, I, I think the... Uh, I, I don't know. I you know. I really hope that you bring and Mike Mike always brings it. But if you can bring that to life, that'll be an important piece. Of it work. will, yeah. But just not focus on their very dull to. relationship. Anyway, you're part of the team behind billions. And since you can't tell us anything about the Facebook thing, but call us if you'd like some information. Um, another show about a high powered yes. businessman and politicians trying to outwit each other. How does the world of tech differ from finance, or does money create drama wherever it lands? I mean, that actually is a great poll quote. Money does create drama wherever it lands. One thing that we were aware of when we were focusing on the hedge fund space is these people, especially the characters we started the series with, didn't really create any, create anything or even purport to change the world. They just wanted to take their piece out of making these trades. And then the the landscape started to shift with the introduction of this Michael Prince character, who is a guy who comes from startup backgrounds and then was a VC. You know, it's an interesting thing that the tech people are trying to create things that change your life and change the world in a positive way. At the very beginning, they, they all do say that and mean it, we think. And some of the Wall Street guys just want to make a return. Yeah. I would agree with that, although I think I prefer the Wall Street people because it's very clear. I think the tech people are are performative in their changing the world stuff most of the time. They just like money and power with same 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 difference. Well, that was well, it's funny, you know, when we had that Mike Birbiglia character on Billions who mm-hmm. played Oscar Langstrat, who's uh yeah. VC, he was more like that, like someone you know, who's read the Tibetan Book of the Dead or the Book of Living and Dying, but only so that they can use it to charm a founder. Yeah. And, uh, but when, I I will say like, we've had through Billions the opportunity to spend time with people like Mark Andreessen uh, and Chris Saka and Bill Gurley. Mm -hmm. and, and, And when you're around some of these VCs and Mark, who's to me incredibly fascinating because almost, almost as a unicorn un- unto himself, somebody who was able to, as a programmer, change the world, and then as a VC, change the world. And they do, it seems to me that someone, if we look at someone like Andreessen, he just thinks differently than anybody else I've ever met. And I do believe that many people in the industry you've p- covered so closely read books that are different than the hedge fund people read, uh, think <laughs> about have to context whether they have to do it as a way to curry favor with the business they want to do mm-hmm. or not they they do have a catholicity of interests and they do have um a breadth of knowledge and then they use that in some way to uh affect the world and i don't know i i'm fascinated by that interlocking thing where they could all be professors very few of the hedge fund people could be professors I've worked, I advise a lot of hedge funds, and I heard that Axe was actually a mashup of four different hedge fund guys, and it named them, and I've worked with a couple of them. Is that true, that it was meant to be a composite of four different famous hedge fund guys? He, I was going to say, he's, a, he's sort of a composite, but not four specific people just quartered hmm. up like that. We just, as a hedge fund operator on our show, we wanted him to be able to do basically every style of investing. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. so that we had more options in a way that no one person in real life would. But the, yeah. the fun thing is one of those people who you definitely know who the person is went up to Damien at the U.S. Open one year and, and was like, I'm Bobby Axelrod. And this was oh, not that, Steve Cohen. Let me be really clear. Dan? Is it Axman or Loeb? The, the only one I'll say it's not is Steve Cohn. But this <laughs> yeah. guy goes up to him at the open and goes, I'm Bobby Axelrod. And, and Damien texts us, is, is this guy Bobby Axelrod? And we were like, no, man, that guy is not, <laughs> yeah. that guy's not Bobby Axelrod. Well, everybody started saying it when the show was a hit. A hundred percent. We just interviewed Kelly, uh, who played uh, who plays Jeff Bezos in your show and plays Scott Galloway, which is, of course, his greatest role of all time. Don Dollar Bill on Billions. Dollar Bill yes. on Billions. He's really great. One of the interviews I did with Travis was when he told the truth about what he was up to. Um, it was a shocking interview because I asked him, you know, when are you ever going to make money? It does, I do math and this doesn't make sense to me. None of this does. Um, you know, it just doesn't add up. And and he's, he said, he turned to me in this interview, it was a public interview, and he said, you know, Kara, when we can get rid of the guys in the front seats, that'll be great. That'll be fantastic. Essentially, that's what he said. I don't have the exact words, but it was that lines is that once we get automated cars, it all works out. So we're just using these people as fodder to get where we want to get. And a lot of people were horrified. And I said, thank you. Thank you for finally telling the truth of what a malignant fuck you are, you know, and what you're thinking about this. And I thought it was actually quite refreshing because he was being clear about uh, one of the things I did appreciate it with Travis. He was he didn't hide his face the way a lot of them do. Did you Did you have that feeling? I talked to Joseph Gordon-Levitt about it, um, about this idea of, of brutal honesty that I appreciated, even though I was repulsed by it at the same time. Did you come away with a, an admiration for him at all, any of you? It's, it's hard to call it admiration, though. I'll, I'll say the show in the later episodes does get into that question of automated cars and getting rid of the drivers and the, the human beings being the impediment to the whole thing working. You know, it, it's, I would say we're fascinated by the way that he's a, a brutalist in that way. We don't admire it, but yeah, it is quite fascinating to us. What about Beth? Or- um, yeah, I would just say that we don't really, we try not to put a moral judgment on it, but instead try to create the most complex version of the character based on the book that Mike delivered to us and the conversations we had. And I think that's something, again, that the audience has to grapple with, which is he said it to your face. He was not hiding Otto. No, he couldn't. No. So what does that mean whenever you get in a car that's run by that company? Have you have you heard from any of the uh, characters or the financiers and what has been their response to the program? Well... The answer is, uh, I do know Gurley, uh, but we mm-hmm. mostly talk about Jason Isbell, not the show. Okay, because he comes mm. off good. He comes to God. <laughs> so why wouldn't he I'll like say, it? There, was, there was a big outreach from various people before we and yeah. during making the show. And mm-hmm. we spoke to some people. We didn't speak to others. We never spoke to Travis. But he then when out. the show I aired- I understand he reached out, correct? I'm yeah. sure he did. When, when the show started to air, the the- sort of conversational outreach definitely went quiet oh. because, you know, they weren't going to be able to affect anything, I suppose. Right, right. So they just wanted to move away from from the thing. Well, I suppose that's the best outcome, right? So the final question I have is, does it make you use Uber more or less since you did this? 
I find Lyft as an amazing platform. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I use Lyft exclusively now, though, like as Beth likes to point out. That's interesting. None of us are perfect. We're all deeply flawed. I mean, if, if I were stuck somewhere and I couldn't get a Lyft, just to go back to Scott's original point, Uber is ubiquitous and it's uh, a really good service in lots of ways. But I use Lyft. Mm -hmm. I would say I haven't used Uber since the show started, but I, I can't say, I can't take a purity test. I would if I had to. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Beth? I don't use Uber unless I am in a position where it's, you know, stand in the cold or not stand in the cold. But I think as we say in the show itself, like we are all constantly making these decisions based yeah. on the information we have available. And our brains are incredibly good at shutting out the information we have about many, many corporations that do really terrible things because we like the taste of the French fries or the taste of the chicken sandwich. So, yeah, uh, you know, I am imperfect. <laughs> Thank you very much, uh, Beth Schachter, Brian Koppelman, and David Levine. You can find Super Pumped on Showtime. New episodes are out every Sunday, and there are just two more left. I wonder how it ends. Thank you so much. Congrats. Well done. Thank you. Thank you both so much. Thanks. All right, Scott, one more quick break. That was really interesting. We'll be back for predictions. Okay, Scott, time for predictions. Obviously, you did a good job on Apple. So what is your next prediction? You can talk about whether your show is going to be a hit, how well CNN Plus, if you want to go out on that limb, you can do it. I'll be happy to saw it off after you. Look, I, I am really rattled by what happened last night. And uh, I'm getting yeah. mocked on Twitter for, oh, clutching his pearls. Why is he so triggered by this? But yeah. I, I think what Janai Nelson, who's at the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, said, and that is the way casual violence was normalized tonight by a collective national audience will have consequences we can't even fathom in the moment. And so my prediction is, and I, I always try to look at this at, through the lens of young men, there were yeah. two men involved last night, and one demonstrated tremendous masculinity, and the other is Will Smith. So my prediction is, is that as we come to grips with what these little instances of normalizing violence are and the repercussions, we're going to realize yeah. that our society needs to uh, absolutely uh, reject this and yeah. redefine masculinity is that strength and power and advocating for others is one thing. And I want to be honest, I think there is a time for violence. Um, and I think that's being demonstrated by brave men and women in Ukraine. I do think that yeah. occasionally you do need that big dick toxic masculinity to pick up arms and protect others. Yeah, well, but okay. <laughs> you don't I need like, to be toxic. It well, could be okay. for a good what cause. What people describe okay. as toxic. But anyways, right. uh, point taken. There's and nothing toxic about protecting your home. My, go ahead. My other, um, my other prediction is, and I'm trying to use my platforms to bring attention to Ukraine, um, but I think we're going to, there's just so many stories, but almost 4 million Ukrainian refugees so far expect 10 million, uh, you know, heroic efforts to survive and save others. And, you know, the trauma they will process for years is unfathomable. I also loved that actor dressed up as a bunny to comfort children in subway shelters in Kharkiv. Did you see this on uh, on TikTok? Uh, uh, but, no, I did not. But basically, a lot of uh, there's been this great footage of this guy roaming the streets under threat 
of shelling to rescue stray dogs. I just think there are just oh. millions of points of light. So I'm trying to reposition a win as a prediction. I think we're going to look back on this period and find just moments, millions of moments of of, of heroism uh, yeah, taking place in, in Ukraine. W war brings ab out absolutely the worst in society, but it does oftentimes get people to demonstrate the best. Um, I agree. I predict there's it's going to be a long haul for Russia to do this to these people. I interviewed two people this morning quite early mm -hmm. in California time. One was a, a a journalist and disinformation expert from Ukraine. She's in she broadcast she she called me from her basement where she had to move to western Ukraine with her child um and will not leave the country. She will, refuses. Um it's safer in western Ukraine obviously right now. Um and she her determination was quite Adamant, and then I interviewed uh, the head of TV Rain, who had to close down uh, his uh, his his independent media company in Russia. He left the country because he was endangered over that law, uh, making it illegal. He refused to broadcast lies of the government, and he just interviewed uh, President Zelensky. And the Russians—that's illegal. He's a Russian citizen. Uh, he still did it anyway. I have great hope for these people. I really do. I was really moved by their determination and not in a sentimental way. They're like, we're not, this is our home. We're doing our job. And I was, and Demcom democracy really seems to have, um, they both talked about the tech groups and how it had become more entrepreneurial and democratic. And uh, it gave me great hope talking to these people. I have great hope for that country. Hopefully that we, and we should step up helping them uh, keep a democracy that was growing really nicely in a country that deserves it. So that's what I would say. There you go. Thank you. There you go. Okay, Scott, that's the show. I'm um, missing the launch party, Kara. I'm sorry. Just drink without. Just think, the show got lied. The show didn't get canceled me, before it launched. That's a victory. That's a that's win. a victory. But let me just tell you what yeah. I, you need to do with this party. What do I need to do? Do not drink. Oh, and I'm try a better to kiss version anybody. of me drunk. Don't drink and do something I'm bad. Funny, like take I'm off affectionate. Your, show your stomach to people. Uh, don't super pump me. Don't. Don't conflate I'm me. I'm just I'm tell great you, I don't parties. want you to be canceled. I'm excited to pay I'm great $3. Okay. It's to when watch a camera you. goes on me that I lose it. I'm I, actually I'm excited to pay $3 to hear what you say to me all the time. I'm very There excited. you go. I'm there you excited. go. All right. Today's show was produced by Lara Neyman, Evan Engel, and Taylor Griffin. Ernie Indertot engineered this episode. Thanks also to Drew Burrows and Emil Silverio. Make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening to Pivot and New York Magazine and Vox Media. We'll be back later this week for a breakdown of all things tech and business. What do real men do? They de-escalate the situation. And watch Scott's show also. Thanks, Kara.